do that. Take your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Learned a trick a few years ago in, in how to find 1 Peter because it's kind of hidden there in your Bible. And so let me help you with that. And this is a way you'll always remember how to find 1 Peter. It's right before 2 Peter. And so if you remember that, you won't have a problem finding it. I love the music at this church. I mean this. And I, I just, I cannot imagine that there's a church in this country that had finer and better music and more honoring and glorifying to God than this place this morning. And, and to think you get that type of music, get to hear that type of choir, these type of specials every week, followed by the preaching you get to hear every week. You are a blessed people. I know you know that, and, but don't take it for granted. Thank God for it. And uh, churches like this, they are rare. They are rare. And all, all you have to do is travel. And, and many times people in our church back home, they'll travel and go somewhere else and they'll come back and say, Preacher, I sure am thankful for Bethany Baptist Church. It just seems like it's rare. And they really are. And churches like this are the same. And so be thankful for that. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to look at just one verse. How long could a Baptist preacher possibly preach on just one verse? I guess we'll find that out today. Look at verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What an encouraging verse. We can take all of our cares and just throw them on him because he cares for us. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house. Thank you for your word and how it can transform us and help us through the hardest of times. Lord, I pray today that you would just put your hand upon this service, upon this hour, this time. God, there, there's nothing that I'm going to be able to say or do in my own strength or power that's going to be of any help. And so, God, we're completely dependent upon your spirit and his work through me and in the lives of your people. And so, God, I pray that your work would be done in a way that when it is accomplished, that every person would walk out of here recognizing your hand in their life and your part and your hand in this service. And so we love you. We praise you. Look forward to all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We would all admit that the care of Jesus, that it means more to us at certain times in our lives than others. If it doesn't mean a lot to you today, and, and this verse is doesn't jump off the page at you today, well, hang on, because there will be a day that it does. A person doesn't have to be very old to comprehend the importance, the joy of having somebody or more than one somebody in their life that cares. In fact, it's encouraging, it's comforting to know that we have people in our life that care about us. I grew up in a, in a tiny little town in the southwestern part of Colorado called Cortez. My dad was the pastor, and, and on, a, on a good day, I mean a good day, like Easter Sunday, we might bust over a hundred. And I can remember on those days going back to our house. We lived in a, in a trailer right next to the church. 
And I remember going back to the house and my mom and dad rejoicing and my mom saying, "Hun, it, it's great. We had 103 today. Isn't it awesome? And, and it was just such a big thing for them. So the, the average Sunday, probably 75 or 80. And, and then in a lot of the evening services, 30, 40, maybe 50 on a good day. And so just a, a real small town and a, a real small work. And my dad didn't make a lot of money. And my mom worked as a secretary. In fact, my dad spent a good portion of my childhood as an EMT working on an ambulance. He'd work nights and then come and work at the church during the day. And so um, we lived in a, in a mobile home right on the church property. So we, and by we, I mean my mom and my dad, myself, and I had... Four sisters. Um, how, how would I describe them? Yeah, here, here's probably the best way to describe them. I had four extremely wicked, sinful sisters. Two older, two younger. I'm right in the middle. I got it from both directions. There would be an occasion in our house where we would have, you know, a disagreement, an issue, a problem. Let me ask you, how do you think it went when it was four against one? Not in my favor, I can tell you that. My dad's off working, he's at the church, he's studying. My mom's there, and, and so the, the, the problem, the disagreement, whatever it might be, it would gravitate toward mom so that she could fix it. You might have already picked up on this, but my mom, yeah, she was a girl too. <laughs> so whose side do you think mom took? That's exactly right. So now it's five against one. All day long, all five of them ganging up on perfect me. <laughs> God was preparing me for something, I'm sure. Then dad would come home. The minute my dad would walk in, my mom would start in on this. You're not going to believe what your son did today. Hunt, your son is at, 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 I mean, it's just, I've had all I can take of him. And my dad, he understood a biblical principle. Happy wife, happy life. And so he would choose my sister's and my mom's side, which would leave it six against one. Are, are you beginning to see the struggle I had? So I'm incredibly outnumbered in this house. Not only that, um, I'm going to let you in on just a secret, and, and it's, it's going to shock you. You're not going to believe it, but don't tell anybody. But, but growing up in junior high and high school, I could have been slightly what they would refer to as a nerd, I had glasses is before I had contacts, and it, I mean, it was back in the day where the glasses were like this big. Oh, yeah, had glasses. I told you we didn't have much money, and so the clothes that I had, I'm just telling you, they were not nice clothes, and my parents didn't help it because, you know, my dad being a pastor, living on church property, growing up in Colorado, we rode the bus to school every day. And my dad, being a kind man, decided, you know, 
I really don't want my kids standing out in front of the church on a snowy day in the wind and the snow waiting for the bus. So I'm going to be a blessing to them. I'm going to build them a structure that they can wait in while they're waiting for the bus to show up. And that way they can get out of the elements and stay warm. It was very kind of him. It would have been more kind if he would not have designed it exactly like an outhouse. So now I'm outnumbered at home. I don't get along with anybody at home. And now I'm the preacher's kid who waits for the bus in the outhouse. I didn't do myself any favors. I joined the band. That did not help me to be elevated to a level of popularity in the school. And so I'm just telling you, um, my childhood, junior high and high school, it wasn't the most delightful years of my life. I remember times being at home and it's just like I couldn't get along with anybody. I I annoyed my dad. I annoyed my mom. I annoyed my sisters. And you could just tell everybody in the house was sick of me. And then I began thinking, well, where, where does where does a guy like me go where people appreciate him and in my greatness? Where can I possibly go? It's not to school. We're in this tiny little church. There's like three kids in our whole youth department. I'm not close to any of them. And and so where do I go? What what do I do? And I, I can remember even as a seventh, eighth grade boy being so discouraged that I'd finally be like, I, I just I just want to get away from everything. I just want to go somewhere where somebody cares about me and and I'm important to somebody. I'd leave that little trailer house. We had a lived the church was just outside of the out of the side of the city and kind of in the country and and it was located right next to a farm and and there was a a long farm road that led up to the farmer's house and across from the property and and so I can remember I'd I'd leave our mobile home and I just decide I just got to get away from everybody and I'd walk out and, and I'd walk around the church property and I'd get on that road and I'd walk about a half a mile down that road and there on the left there was a little pond and I would just sit there next to that pond for hours at a time. I think this is my favorite place in the world because I'm away from everybody. Be so discouraged. Where where are people in this life that care about me? Why couldn't God have given me a brother? Why why couldn't God have put me in a big church with a big youth group? And, And why did God have to make me this way? I don't fit in anywhere. And I'd be so discouraged. And I'd I'd finally get to the point because I was a teenage boy, I'd get hungry and I'm like, I gotta go back home. And and so I'd wake my way back down that road and I'd be making my way back across the church parking lot. And for about two years there, God blessed me and gave me a youth pastor. A man that just decided he was going to move to Cortez and help my dad and work secular work and just help my dad. And I can't tell you how many times I'd come across that parking lot and I'd hear that familiar voice, Gary Fuller. And he'd say, Dano, what are you doing? Nothing. You want to play some horse? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll beat you. You probably can't tell this, but I would have been in the NBA, but I chose band. <laughs> Just put me behind a little bit. 
Absolutely. So I, I would go over and we a little outdoor court and we'd start shooting baskets and and he could just tell I was down and he, we'd just start going back and forth and doing trick shots and he'd say, what's going on today? Nothing. No, I know you better than this. What's going on? Well, just can't get along with anybody and Mom and dad are upset at me, and my sisters are wicked and evil and on their way to hell and <laughs> burdened about that. He just began to encourage me. I'm talking in, in just a matter of 10 or 15 minutes with him. I would go from feeling like nobody in the world cared about me to going, there's, there's one. There's one that cares about me. Brother Gary, he cares about me. He loves me. And what that would do for that teenage boy that I was at that age was more than I can describe to you today. Listen, I know that I'm talking to a group of people this morning that in some degree or another, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you've went through periods and times in your life where you have wondered, does anybody care? Does my family care? Does my husband care? Does my wife care? Do my friends care? Does my church care? Does my pastor care? There are those in this auditorium this morning that, that there have been times when the burdens of your life have been so heavy, they have been so real, that I would guess that you have even questioned, does God even care? The songwriter was right on when he wrote these words. Oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. See, Peter is, is writing to a, a group of people that he describes as pilgrims and strangers. I don't have time to get into it this morning, but the persecution that these believers are facing is extreme. They've been forced to flee their homes and flee their lives and flee their businesses and to go into a portion of the world where they thought there would be safety, only to find out that they're not even safe there and that the persecution is rapidly headed their way. And so these are people that are burdened down with care. And so Peter takes time and writing this letter and all of these wonderful things that he tells them in 1 Peter to remind them of what they are to do with their cares. Listen, I've got three baby, tiny little points. I'm talking just tiny, tiny little points. You'll, you'll be blown away how fast we'll get through these three points. But there are three points that I believe are just right there in the text that just are there. We can all see them. Look at verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The first thing we see that is just evident, as clear as can be in that verse, is this. Believers have cares. Believers have cares. That word translated care there, get this, it, it means anxiety. It means to draw in different directions. That, that word care, it means to pull apart that which consumes us, that which causes and brings worry and fret in our lives. Maybe you've said it this way before. Something's happened in your life and you've said it this way. It's just tearing me apart on the insides. You have something that you're going through and it's just gnawing at my inside. It's just causing me all sorts of anxiety. It's causing me all sorts of worry. It's just tearing me apart. That's this word care. 
This could be anything, anything in your life. It could be things from your past. It could be things in your present. It could be things in your future. There's some that are here today and there are things that have happened in your life that to this very day, and it may have been years and years ago that it happened, but it, 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 to this very day, it continues to haunt you. It continues to tear you apart inside. It, it continues to cause you anxiety. It continues to, 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 to hurt you on the inside. It could be a sinful act. It could be immorality. It could be dishonesty. It could be an act of violence. It could be a secret sin. It could be things that you've done, but, but maybe, just maybe, it's something that was done to you. It's failure. It's disappointment, either by yourself or someone else. It's a regret that's there. And, and if you could go back and erase something out of your past, you would go back to that very moment and say, I just wish I could remove that. Cares from the past. We also have cares in the present. This very day, if we were to take and you walked in and the, the ushers were to handed you a piece of paper, just a blank sheet of paper, and ask you today, just don't put your name on it, but on this piece of paper, I want you to begin to write some things that are, that, that are causing you some anxiety, so causing you some worry, that are tearing you apart on the inside. Just, just write down some, some concerns that you have. I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't have difficulty filling up that piece of paper. You might even be some in this room and say, Preacher, I'm going to need two or three sheets of paper. Because there's cares. There's very real cares. It, it can be in our jobs. It can be with our families. It can be in our government, our world, and our economy, and everything that's going on. It, it might be a health issue. It can be a financial issue. But all of these things are causing us anxiety. They're cares that we're carrying this very day. Maybe nobody else in this auditorium knows about that care. But you know about it. And you face it. And you live with it. And you deal with it every single day. And then there's cares related to our future. What might happen? The what ifs of life. Grandma passed away a couple years ago at the ripe old age of 98. Just a, a couple of months before she turned 99. We, were, we, we had her 100th birthday party on the calendar, was planning it, and she didn't quite make it there. For probably the last 25 years of my grandmother's life, she was super healthy, lived on her own, took care of herself, cooked all her own meals, just a blessed life. But for about the last 25 years of her life, after my grandfather died, my mom would say things to me, share things with me, but then she would always follow them up with, now Dan, don't tell your grandma. She would say that because she knew my grandma would sit in her recliner and she would worry herself sick about all of the what ifs. She couldn't handle it. She had all this time. Maybe there's someone in this room like this and there's something down the road, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe a month, maybe 10 years down the road and you're greatly concerned about it. It's causing you anxiety. It's tearing you on the inside. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this doesn't happen? It might be that you're dealing with all three. This verse offers hope. Regardless of whatever category or however many categories your cares fall into. 
And so believers have cares. See how quick we got through that one? Now notice this. The basis, or the action, rather, that we are to take concerning our care. What are we to do with that care? Well, again, it says we have cares, but it says casting all your care upon him. Upon him? Upon who, preacher? Well, upon the burden bearer. Upon Jesus Christ. It was Jesus that that said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the burden bearer. That's the one we're to take our cares to. Well, wait a second. We're to take our cares to him. What cares can we take to him? Here's the wonderful truth. I've already stated that all of our cares uh, can be summed up in the past, the present, and the future. Peter uses this word, casting all your cares. No matter what category they fall into, we can take all of our cares and we can cast them upon him. In the book of Revelation, we find John on the Isle of Patmos. It wasn't a good time for John, but Jesus appears unto him. And here's what he says unto John, the revelator. He said, John, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. Watch this, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Here's what he is telling John, going through a time of great care. He's saying, John, I'm the eternal one. John, I'm the God of the past. John, I'm the God of the present. John, I'm the God of the future. I am the first and the last. I can take care of the cares of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Oh, wait a second, Brother Dan. If you only knew my past, let me tell you what he did about your past. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. He suffered and he bled and he died for your sins. When we repent of our sins and come into him by faith, the Bible says that he takes our sin. He casts them into the depths of the sea. He throws them behind him. He remembers them no more. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Right now, he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Bible says it this way, that he ever liveth making intercession for us. In other words, he's ready to take your present anxieties. He's ready to take your present cares. He's ready to take your present sins. He's ready to deal with anything that's happening in your present life. And because of his death and resurrection, our future is sealed. I'm simply saying that we're, cl- we're good. We can take all of our sins, past, present, and future, and cast them upon him. Well, wait a second then. What's this word casting mean? What's this word casting mean? I'm going to borrow one of these water bottles. Somebody's licked on them, so I'm not going to. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. Here's the the word casting. It it can mean a few different things. The the word cast can mean just to hand over. I I gave over. The word casting, I I like this. Another definition that you will find for it is is to lay upon. And so I'm casting, I'm taking and I'm casting. I'm, I'm going to set on. I'm just going to hand my cares. And so th- there's times in our lives where this is our cares and, and we can just take them and say, here, God, you've got to take this. And I'm thankful he will. There's other times where we just take all of our cares and, and we just take them to the foot of the cross and we say, God, I- I'm giving them to you. I- I'm, I'm handing them over to you. But, but here's the, the real essence of that word and what I love so much about it, because there have been times in my life where I have been so burdened down. The care 
cares of my life have been so heavy that I didn't feel like that I could even get to them. And the Bible says this, that we can cast, meaning we can write from where we are, no matter how burdened and weighted down you are, you can take your cares and you can just let them go. Just throw them over to him and he'll take them. So we have cares. The action we're to take, you can drink that if you want. to cast our cares upon him. But why? Here's the ultimate question. Why would he want my cares? So many of the, the cares of my life have been brought on by myself. I look at my past and it's littered with sin failure and mistakes. I, I think back over my life and it haunts me to think that I was raised in a preacher's home and been in the ministry and off to Bible college and just how many times I've failed him and let him down and how many times I've messed things up. It does something. It tears me on the inside. I look, at, I look at the things that are going on right now in my, care, my current, my present cares and concerns. And I look at where I am right now. And here's, here's what I conclude. It's because I really lack faith. I've got a son about to go off to Bible college. I've got a daughter about to get married. I've got another daughter that just got married. I've got a church that I'm trying to pastor and and finances. And and there's just so many pressures in this life. And and I know that God is able to handle all of them. But it's like I I, I try to just keep them and and hold on to them because somehow I think I'm better at at dealing with the current struggles of life than he is. And and, and the, the anxieties, I know I shouldn't have them. I know I should just have faith, but I don't. And then I worry about the future. I worry about the future for my kids. I worry about the future of our church. I worry about the future of our nation, our country. I just feel like I'm the cause of all these cares. So why would he want them? When it's just because I'm a sinner who lacks faith. When we first started coming here and, and preaching, I, man, I, I'm a nobody to this very day, but if, if I really, if I'm a nobody today, I mean, I was, I was really, 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 nobody knew who I was. I'm just a, a young guy with a young family pastoring in the, the southwestern part of Colorado, and, and I, I don't know, I don't know why um, your dad, I, I don't know why the Praetors just were so kind to me and, and, and kind of took me under their wing, but, but they did, and, and they've just been so gracious to me. And, and, and so God, in, in, since I started preaching here and in, in, in coming to revivals and, and stuff here, God, of course, has moved us from Colorado now to, to Lubbock and to just a, a great church and a great ministry. God began that process of moving us right uh, after my oldest daughter graduated from high school. <clears throat> and so we actually took her to Heartland and, and dropped her off 
And, and after we dropped her off, uh, Brother Denson was going to be in Arden Road that Sunday candidating. And so, or at least talking to the pulpit committee and some men. And so he said, why don't you come through and, and fill the pulpit for me this weekend? And, and, and so I did. So we, we kind of knew that maybe some things were stirring, but th- there was no certainty of it. So we really just kind of kept that. My wife and I kept it to ourselves and we didn't share it with the kids because there, there was just a lot of uncertainty. And, and so... To make a long story shorter, of course, God moves us in, in, in to, to, from Windsor to Lubbock. Car- Carissa left to go to Bible college, and, and it was exceptionally hard on her. We're just a super, super tight-knit family. And, and, and so it was a very difficult thing. Well, if it was difficult for her to leave, uh, imagine when I called her and I said, um, Hey, sis, I... I need to tell you what's going on in our lives and that we're possibly going to make a move from Windsor to, to Lubbock. And, and it began to dawn on her, okay, wait a second, I, I didn't just leave home? You're telling me I didn't just leave home to go for a semester of college, but, but now you're telling me I, I left home forever? Like, I'm never going back to my home again. I'm never cleaning this stuff out of my room again. I'm, I'm not going to go back and say goodbye to my friends. That's what you're telling me. And it, I'm telling you, it rocked her world. Her attitude, her health, it, it just absolutely rocked her world. And so much so that she set out the second semester of college just to come to, to, to Lubbock and, and acclimate to Bethany Baptist Church and to kind of heal and, and get her emotions back where they needed to be. And so then we sent her back the second year. She was able to work a good amount while she was home and deal with some stuff. And then she went back. By the time that third semester came around, she had used up all of her savings and she was struggling pretty big financially. And so as a dad, of course, I'm, I'm watching this, I'm watching it real close. I mean, this is my baby girl. I feel like I, though God did it, I just still felt responsible for her going through some of the things that she had went through and some of the pain that she had experienced. And so I would watch and she went to, to school and she paid off her, her initial deposit. And then, and then I watched her account as it started to go from, you know, 1700 to 1400 to 800 to 600 and all the way down to where it was like a hundred and some odd dollars. So I called her one day and I said, okay, where are we at? I said, you got about six weeks left. Where are we at on your school bill? How are you doing with finances? And she was so positive. She said, Dad, I, I figured it out just yesterday. If, if I take every paycheck that I have and, and, and I put it all outside a tithe, if I put it all toward my school bill, Dad, to the best I can figure it out, I'll only be $27 short of paying off my school bill. She says, now, that won't give me any money for gas. She said, that won't give me any money for food or anything like that. But, Dad, I'll, I'll just ride with a friend, and I just won't spend any money, and, and I, I'll just eat in the cafeteria. That's a sacrifice. I'll eat in the cafeteria, and, and I won't go out with friends after Sunday night. I just I, I won't eat. I, I can do this, Dad. I can do this. So proud of her. Got off the phone, though. And I immediately called Warren Scruggs. And I said, hey, Warren, um, can you tell me how much my daughter owes on her school bill? And he gave me the exact amount. And I said, do you guys take a debit card? And he said, yeah. I said, let me give you my debit card number. He said, how much do you want to pay on that, preacher? And I said, I'll, I'll pay it all. 
And so I paid it all. And he said, is there anything else I can do for you? I said, yeah. So do this for me. I said, why don't you just take a piece of paper and just write on there. School bill paid in full. I love you, your dad. And put it in her mailbox. It didn't take too long after she got back from work that day. She went and checked her mail. She signed that note. She immediately picked up the phone and called me. She said, oh, dad, I told you I had it. Dad, I told you you didn't have to do that. Dad, Dad, I, I was working hard, and Dad, I know you guys just moved and bought a house, and things are tight for you. Dad, you don't have to do this. I told you I could do it. Why would you do that, Dad? I said, let me tell you why I did it, kid. Because I love you. That's why I do it. Why in the world would God want you to bring your cares this morning and cast them on Him? Because he loves you. But wait a second. I don't deserve to be loved. Hey, neither do I all the time. But he loves us with a love that is so magnificent and so wonderful and so great that whether you feel deserving of it or not, he feels you're deserving of it. And he has the greatest love that has ever been manifested. And it was manifested on the cross of Calvary. And he didn't stop loving you the day he saved you. He loves you more and more with every passing day, if that's even possible. And he's saying to you today, those cares, those anxieties, that which is tearing you apart on the inside, why don't you just bring those cares? Cast them upon me. I'll carry them for you. I'll be the burden bearer because I love you. I care for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.